Come on. Dr. Doug, are you ready? I am ready, George. I like it. I'm ready. The people are ready. Let's go. Welcome to Lifeblood Engage. This is George G. Our guest today is the strong and powerful Dr. Doug Brackman. He is a psychologist helping highly driven individuals take back control of their lives. He is the author of Driven, a book that explores how 10% of the working population possess a genetic gift that manifests in a powerfully unstoppable drive. Doug, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. As I've often said, psychologists get into psychology to figure out their own crap. So <laughs> it's those of us, those psychologists that say they don't are lying. So it's, um, it's me. And so 30 years ago, 30 plus years ago, I was uh, basically completely blew up my life, high school dropping out and I mean, completely blew up my life and figured out that uh, if I didn't take accountability and responsibility for me, I would have nothing. So, you know, amazing time to be a shrink. Um, right at the beginning of my grad school, an article came out in Time magazine that says, we found it. We found the alcoholism gene. Mm. And um, little did we know that in 1991 to 21, in the intervening 30 years, it has just been an unbelievably cool exploration of the human animal and you know the functional MRI and cracking the human genome what we have discovered is about seven to eight nine percent depending on how you measure it um, of the population are different we are we are wired to be in a very different world than we're in today and so we're wired for a world that is very difficult to survive in and uh, as a byproduct of that, we often make our lives very difficult. So, uh, nice. And yeah. so through the technology or whatever the term is that allows us to do human genome stuff, I'm, I'm going to stop trying to uh, describe it. And so they, they, it, in the intervening 30 years, we've, we've discovered this thing called epigenetics. And so is it nature? Is it your genetics or is it nurture? Is it your environment? And now, now it is clear the answer is yes. You cannot decide whether it's nature or nurture because there's a complex interaction. But what I found is you put, you know, and it's coming out of the ADD and ADHD literature and the functional MRI that about 8 or 10% of the population really do have a different primary difference is our brain structure. And what is the dominant part of the brain that is most likely be used for going through the world and also our reward system. And so the theory goes 4,000 years ago, the world turned into a much safer, predictable place to survive. And that's because of the agricultural revolution. And so if you think about what it takes to be a early agricultural farmer, you have to be very tolerant of boredom. You literally have to be able to sit around and watch stuff grow. You have to be easily satisfied and satiated with uh, kind of a simple reward system. And they love predictability. They love routine. And basically, <laughs> now, 2021, they you know, basically created a W-2 job where you're working nine to five, you're in a 
predictable paycheck every two weeks, 3% or 6%, raise every three months, six months, nine months, a year, um, and they find that wonderful. Where the people that I work with and probably most of your listeners, it makes our stomach turn to think about sitting in a cubicle for 40 plus hours a week. And uh, because we have a wiring system that are much more like hunters. And so two primary genetics, one is D2, the dopamine receptor number two, and that's the boredom gene. And if you think about hunters, we sit in a cave too long or sit in one place too long. Our central nervous system starts to send signals up that tell us that there's something missing or wrong right now, that right now is not enough. And that gets us to go explore and come up with new ways to survive. And, you know, where if a farmer felt that, they would very quickly get bored of watching things grow and they would wander away from the crops. So the other one, which is much more like me and a lot more like my most of my clients, is the FOMO gene, fear of missing out gene. And it's the dopamine receptor, number two, or number four. And that makes hunters feel like there's more woolly mammoths over the next hill. So it's the shiny object syndrome. (laughs) We are wired to believe there's more opportunity somewhere else. And that drives, and that's my kind of running joke, you know, we're the Da Vinci's and Steve Jobs and We are just wired for constantly seeking something over the horizon. Um, The different brain structures, very simply, you look at normals or non-ADD or ADHD people, um, they have a very nice, bright, shiny ball of activity in their middle of their head and their frontal lobe. And it's the executive function. It's the planning function. And so farmers, you know, you put your finger in the ground, you put a little corn in that. You pat it down, you water it, you wait, and then it grows, then you harvest, and then you store some of your grain, and then you put it away for next year. And what you did last year is most likely to lead to survival this year. And as a hunter, we have something called hypofrontality. You put us in a front in a functional MRI, the back of our heads light up. And so the back of our heads is the occipital lobe, and that's eyesight. And so hunters tend to use their eyes as a way of going through the world. And a byproduct of that is this hypofrontality, which means that, you know, a a farmer can carry three to five different concepts in their head at the same time, where a hunter or a driven person carries seven to nine to 13. So we do something called multi-think. And more importantly, we are just driven to actually understand the big picture of things. And so we really, it's the entrepreneurial mind. And so we, we see the big picture and then all the little parts and pieces. And then we try to figure out how they fit into the big picture. And we try to explain this to non-driven people and they think we're tangential and crazy. (laughs) We often perceive them as stupid, slow and lazy. So it is, we are, we are different. And in the last, really last three years since the launching of my book, I came up with a driven assessment and nationally normed this thing, sent it out to a nationally norming company where they did a representative sample of the United States and concluded, (laughs) I mean, we are different. And, you know, my wife is dead center and average and I am 
four standard deviations from her on my assessment. And so what I'm finding is, is that, you know, that this inner world that driven people have, I often say it, I could have called my book the shame-based personality, hmm. meaning that, you know, non-drivens, farmers, tend to have a very simple identity. As they came into these massive big culture, you know, societies, their job specialization, a butcher, baker, candlestick maker, they were very easily, you know, what do you do for work? Because I make shoes. That's all I do is make shoes. We're drivens. That doesn't make sense to us. We are da Vinci's. We are sculptors and painters and entrepreneurs. And <laughs> we have tend to have much more diffuse identities. And most importantly, we then tend to use our emotions as the primary means of going through the world as a, of, of who I am. And, you know, my education is a great testament to trying to get rid of this feeling of the imposter syndrome that I never quite felt like I was enough. And so maybe not one, but two PhDs, which is just a totally ridiculous amount of education, um, in the hopes that I would get rid of this deep feeling that there was something wrong with me. And it leads us to great success and it leads us to potentially just misery on the inner world. So that is my niche. That is, those are the people I work with. Often we're hyper successful on the outer world, but the inner world still feels like there's something missing or wrong. Um, it's, it is a incredibly rewarding <laughs> way to, uh, teach people that there's nothing wrong with them. So you got two PhDs in the hope <laughs> of, 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 of eradicating this imposter syndrome. How did you eventually do it? Changed my identity. And that is the, um, you're not your feelings. You're not your thoughts. Very simply, rather than, you know, in my book I talk about it, rather than this very quick road to hell of trying to figure out who you are, is it's an impossible question because there is no who. So I very quickly changed it into what. What I am. What I am is a homo sapien. What I am is an animal. And dot, 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 I am also driven. And so my reward system, you know, I'm easily bored and often feel like there's something missing or wrong. And the future has limitless possibilities. And that's just what I am. Whether I want that or not, it doesn't matter. It's what I am. And so learning how to manage it, and my doctoral research was on self-sabotage. And this was in the mid-90s and going into 2000 prior to the functional MRI and in my book I present how every human being on the planet is designed to sabotage and very simply the easiest example is this is why January sucks at the gym <laughs> everybody on the planet has decided in their monkey mind this thing that sits up, up on top of our body that this time is going to be different, that this time I'm going to really get into shape and I'm going to make these New Year's resolutions. Um, the research around it is by February 14th, by Valentine's Day, 78% of people don't even remember their New Year's resolutions, let alone do them. 
So my research was like, what the hell is going on? And very simply, you know, our bodies, and it's a many hundreds of millions of years of evolution in our body, our bodies are designed for a familiar world where the neocortex, the monkey mind up on top of this body can imagine just incredible worlds. And so we have this mental model in our brains, in our neocortex that tells us, oh, wow, it can be so much better than it is. But my body wants the familiar. So in bandwidth terms, you know, we, we work in our monkey minds closer and closer and closer to a better world. But our bodies are resistant <laughs> to continuing the simple daily habits, whether it's saving or exercise or relationships, whatever it is, returning us back to this baseline of familiar chaos and pain. And so it's a, the battle between the monkey mind and the body is, is what I do. I teach people how to really meet the resistance they feel in their bodies with curiosity. And 20 years ago, I discovered meditation. Great time to be in that world because of that functional MRI and really what is happening in meditation. And so it's a conundrum because very simply stated, there is no resistance in the present. None. And very simply, what that means is you can do anything in the world. As long as you have a process built and designed so you can continue that behavior and working through the resistance, meaning that everything turns into a meditation practice. And so the, the hacks that I teach my clients is turn everything into a meditation practice, meaning that turn everything into a series of steps that you can do one at a time and continuously improve. And if you're driven, why I only work with drivens is that we don't have a choice because our inner worlds are wired to feel like it's never enough. And if you're trying to get rid of that feeling, you never will. And so you have to learn to reality check that feeling. And that's really what meditation is, is reality checking what my central nervous system or what my body's telling me in relation to reality. And most of our bodies are being driven by this monkey mind of thoughts and problem solving. And so most people never have a match between really what's happening in their bodies and reality. And it seems somewhat esoteric, but it's very simple. <laughs> and, it's, and you hear me laugh because it is a insolvable problem I've been trying to solve that really isn't a problem for 20 years. And it starts to make me sound like a Zen wacko, but it um, has allowed me to, to go from high school dropout to living a life that I just can't believe I live. Incredible. So you, you mentioned an assessment because everybody wants to know, well, this sounds like me, but how do I know for sure? Or is that even, is, is that even worth asking? You know, and I, I get that all the time. Well, I'm going to go get my human genome tested. And just in the last five years, since I really looked at most of the research around the human genome, um, there's now 19 different variables that impact our dopamine. 
and this dopamine nation, um, Dr. Anna at Stanford was talking about how epigenetically what we're finding is that if you're in dopamine loops with your cell phone or video games or anything, our genome will start to adapt to that. And so what we're finding is more and more people actually fall into this category of being driven. And you think about it, it's a, Another way of conceptualizing it is a trauma-based personality type. We're wired to feel like there's more danger in the world than there is. And in the last, you know, with COVID and everything else, the human population is adapting to that. And the world's never been safer. <laughs> it's, that is a fact that, you know, the life expectancy and the chance of you and I dying in a war or from disease is, oh, damn near zero. And, you know, 100 years ago, there was a billion people. Now there's 7 billion. But our central nervous systems have never been so scared. And so if you're driven, you know it. And, you know, some of my favorite Amazon reviews in my book, it's an uncomfortable biography of me. (laughs) We We feel so different and so unique, but... We're very similar, you know, the eight to 10% of us. And I've worked with hundreds of Navy SEALs and entrepreneurs and pro athletes. Um, we stand out in the crowd. The other thing I often say is that <clears throat> we're, we, we tend to be fairly unemployable, which means that you put me in a W-2 job with a less creative boss than me and he's telling me how to do something and doesn't give me the autonomy or the opportunity to kind of do it my way, I lose my mind. And this feeling that, you know, I'm never enough is really the core of it. And we tend to be more narcissistic than most as men and driven women is kind of a passion for, for the last couple of years, because I think that is being a driven woman is incredibly difficult. Yeah. So is the book essentially an operating manual? Yeah, good good description. Yeah, it is. And it, it the I say it probably 50 times in the book that there's nothing wrong with you. And you're made this way for a good reason. One of the guys who first conceptualized this, you know, a guy named Tom Hartman back in 91, 92, 93 when ADD was really coming to the foreground. He proposed that, you know, the ADD, this constellation of genetics, we're waiting for the next ice age. We're waiting for the next catastrophe in the world to happen because the entrepreneurs and the derivatives will figure it out. And, you know, so these this genome and this type of personality is incredibly resilient in the population because. Up until about 10,000 years ago, there was an ice age every 800 to 1,200 years. I mean, the global climate stabilization is brand new. And, oh, my God, the climate's changing. It's like, that's not news. I mean, it's always changed. But it might rapidly change here. And, you know, and a lot of my drivens, it's like, yeah, bring it. We'll figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds kind of exciting. It won't be boring, will it? I love it. The most of the... You know, and I tell my clients to, they want to go see average, 
<clears throat> go to Walmart or go to Disneyland or Disney World and go look at the line of people. Mm-hmm. You know, they're 60 pounds overweight and they're working in a W-2 job and they're that's that's average. Well, I don't feel average. I feel like I'm not enough. Yeah, you're probably driven. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, Doug, the people are ready for that difference-making tip. What do you have for them? <laughs> <laughs> so here's the good news. Here's here simply the good news about there being no resistance in the present moment is that you can do anything. The bad news is is that you have no excuse to not do anything. And so I always start people at a two-minute meditation practice in the morning. And I do mean in the morning because our cortisol levels are highest in the morning. And we'll want to go on autopilot and start sabotaging ourselves. We get busy. We, oh, I don't have time for that. I Whatever. Whatever the monkey mind excuse is, don't believe it. And most importantly, feel the resistance in your body of continuing these behaviors that you know are going to lead to success eventually. And so if you turn it into, and I'll say curiosity, curiosity without judgment is meditation. And, you know, it's a bullshit detector. Learning to call bullshit upon oneself is the most powerful tool you can can develop. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets, come on. Come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we're all in it together. But if you're driven, you are forced to really look at yourself and look at these these feelings of discontent. Because, oh, my God, it feels like there's something wrong. Pause. Is there really something wrong? Because if you're looking for it, you'll find it. And that in-between space where it's, you know, what is better anyway? Well, I got to make my life better, but what is better? Mm-hmm. So that pause, reality checking your emotion, and then as long as you're not using your thinking or your feeling to go through the world and you're really using your behaviors to determine what come, what the outcomes are that you want, chances are you'll start to succeed to the point where you want to sabotage your life again. And that's, that's the secret to it. If you feel like you want to sabotage, that means you're succeeding. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Doug, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you? And where can they get a copy of Driven? It's all on Amazon, and you can get free download from my from my um, website. It's imdriven.com. And awesome. there's a free assessment tool on there, and it gives you back a 10 or 15-page feedback and describes all these different, you know, the 10 different traits. Um you can get a free first three chapters or for either an audio or, or in uh, in book form on my website. Excellent. And then I got a podcast on there too. So <laughs> I interview some really interesting driven people. Love it. Yeah. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Doug your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to imdriven.com. And I'm certainly going to go take the assessment immediately and uh, <laughs> pick up a copy of Driven and check out the podcast as well and everything else that Dr. Doug is working on. Thanks again, Doug. Thanks, George. Have a good day. You as well. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because like Doug mentioned, we are all in this together. <laughs>